Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I am so glad you're with us as we kick off 2019. I have some good news for you. And if you inside your bulletin, if you take the outline out, you'll find that the good news is this, that God is for me. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen. You go, yeah, he's for you, John, but is he for me? Yeah, well, yes, he is. In fact, that's the whole thing. God is for each one of us. And these are things that we don't understand. In fact, we have a whole series here that we've entitled God Is. And this week we're looking at God is for me. We're going to be unpacking some other characteristics of God during the month of January. And I hope you'll be with us because if we understand who God is and how he wants to work in our lives, it'll change our whole perspective on 2019. But we just don't know him and we don't understand him. I mean, I can relate to this a little bit. Uh, just being a pastor, sometimes people don't know how to react once they find out I'm a pastor. I mean, a few years ago, I was performing a wedding, and uh, a number of people that were involved in the wedding party were from uh, the West Coast, and they had never been involved in church before, had never even met a pastor before. And we were seated at the same table. There was a dinner after the, at the reception after the wedding, and we were talking and other things, and had a really great conversation. They asked me all kinds of questions about the Christian faith and about what I did and other things, and you know, I got a thank you from the bride and groom and, uh, the next week, and they wrote me a thank you, and they said, John, you know, and our friends from California thought you were normal, okay, which was good. <laughs> I mean, that was a breakthrough. Wow, this guy was a pastor, and he was normal. And they didn't know what to expect, and that's the way it is with God. Sometimes we have all these kind of odd preconceptions about who God is. Like, God doesn't care about me. If he cared about me, then 2018 wouldn't have been so hard. God hates me. God thinks I'm worthless. God is out to get me. And all these ideas can flood our head. God doesn't care. He's out to get us. And nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, today, we're going to look at a number of scriptures that clearly point out that God is for me. Could we say that together, please? God is for me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that today we can look at your word and we can get our thinking right as we head into 2019. We're going to face problems. We're going to face challenges. We're going to have joys. We're going to have opportunities. And Lord, I pray that today you'd help us understand what it means when we say that you are for us. So we can face the future unafraid. If you would like to learn something about the Lord right now before I say another word, would you say, God, would you open my eyes to something I need to know about you today? Please speak to me. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Move me out of the way, Lord. Say whatever you want to tell us today as we head into 2019. Amen. Point A on your outline, God is for me. Here's what David said about that. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in thee. Thou hast taken account of my wanderings, put my tears in thy bottle, and this I know that God is for me. Can we read that last phrase together out loud? This I know that God is for me. If you would underline that, we have black ink on white paper right here out of Scripture. This is what the Bible says. God's on our side. He's for us. Does that mean that everything's going to be cushy in 2019? Oh, no. We'll talk about that. But, we, but David said, hey, when I'm afraid, that meant that he went through scary times. And David said, hey, when I go through hard times that bring tears to my eyes, you collect all my tears in a bottle. That means every heartache, every brokenhearted moment in our lives, the Lord knows about all of them. And he's going to redeem those tears for good. You don't have to worry that God doesn't know where you are. And if 2018 was hard for you, I got some good news for you. 
the Lord can use even those hard times for his glory, and you're going to see how this morning. Romans 8, the Apostle Paul said, well, look, if God is for us, then who could ever be against us? Since he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I mean, if God is for us, who's going to be against us? I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of the people who are coming against me. I don't have to be afraid of hard circumstances. The Lord is going to show me how to get through those, and he's going to help me because he is for me. God is for me. Could we say that one more time? God is for me. If there's any lie that the devil would love to get in our heads is that God does not care about us or that he is against us. And he works his way into a lot of people's thoughts. He works this out really, really well. When life is going hard, God doesn't know anything about me. He's against me. And it's not true. God is for me. You'll see how this plays out all the way through. Because that brings us to point B, God is so much for me that he is refining me. He is so much for me that he's refining me. Now, there was a prophecy given about Jesus coming into the world 400 years before he was ever placed in a manger in Bethlehem. We just celebrated Christmas and talked about the Christmas story. Well, 400 years before that happened, the prophet Malachi uh, proclaimed a word from the Lord to the people of Israel. They had returned from captivity where they'd been gone for 70 years. They were allowed to return. God brought them back. They were able to rebuild Jerusalem, their capital city. They were able to rebuild their temple and even start offering sacrifices and having worship services there again. But the problem was once they got back and started offering worship services, they got half-hearted. Life got easy and they got lazy. And here's what the prophet Malachi said, speaking for the Lord here. The Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant who you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? He'll be like a blazing fire that refines metal, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He'll sit like a refiner of silver burning away the dross. He'll purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. The Levites were the temple workers, the church staff, if you will. He said, you guys have gotten half-hearted in your worship, and you're longing for a Messiah to come, and you're praying for the anointed one of God to come. But when he comes, he's not just going to come and accept half-hearted worship. He's going to refine you like a refiner's fire. Now, if you want to know what he's talking about, it's really interesting um, if you go online and you get on YouTube and you look at what gold ore looks like, and you, or if you've ever been to a mining town and they show you what they dig out of those mines, you'll see rocks that look a whole lot like this. And they don't look like anything special. And they'll go, oh, no, no, no. If you follow, there's a vein of quartz right here, and there's some granite here and some copper there. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of gold in this one. Now, this, this is just a rock from my backyard, so it's not worth anything, okay? This is illustrative purposes only, okay? But if this rock, a rock this size that contained a lot of gold, would probably weigh like 25 pounds. It'd be terribly heavy. And that's one of the ways you would know. You go, this is just outrageously heavy. It's got all this heavy metal in there. And to a miner who's experienced with this, if he found this, he'd be going, look what I found. And you and I would go, a rock. And he'd go, no, there's gold in there. Feel how heavy it is. 
And then he would take it and he would crush it and break it apart. And then after he'd gotten the, all the parts that have the gold in it, he'd refine it, heat it up, and skim off all the dirt because the gold is heavy and it would sink to the bottom and the dirt would float when it's heated up. And you could scra scrape it off and you'd end up with something that's almost pure gold. And he could go and sell that for a lot. The Bible says that the Lord wants to do the same thing in your, your life and in my life. And when we come to him, that's the process he's going to use, a refiner's fire. And we're going to talk about this morning how he does that. Three ways that he does that in our lives. But understand, when you look at my life and in your life, or we look at the lives of others, a lot of times all we see is a rock, and the Lord sees gold. He sees refined gold, and he's not content to leave me a rock. He wants to make me into a ring. And what I'm going to challenge us with this morning is, what if we cooperated with that refining process? That's the life application here. I can cooperate with God's refining process. Now that you understand that, that's why the prophet Malachi was saying this. It's why you'll see in these scriptures over and over again, there's 12 at least places that I could find in the Bible where God was talking about the refining process. You're going to see a bunch of them this morning where God is going to refine us this year. And so if we know that's going on, then we can know that God is for us. But he is not for us remaining a rock. He's for us becoming a ring. He is not for me being a couch potato spiritually. He's for me growing spiritually this year. And refining always involves crushing. Refining always involves breaking. Refining always involves cutting away things and skimming off things that don't belong. Saying that God is for me this year does not mean my life is necessarily going to be the easiest year I've ever had. But if I cooperate with God, it's going to be the best year I've ever had. So I can cooperate. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said this. He said, look, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those he accepts as his child. As you endure the divine, this divine discipline, remember, God's treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child is never disciplined by its father. God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children. It means you're illegitimate. You're not really his children at all. So this year, God is going to push us. He's going to discipline us. Debbie and I did this with our boys. I mean, there was a, one time when one of our kids rode his bike out on the street right in front of a car. The car screeched to a stop, didn't hit him. The woman came up the steps, and she knocked on our door. Is that your son? I go, I don't know. Let me get my wife. I think it's her son. Okay, anyway, something like that, <laughs> yeah anyway yes that's my boy it's like well you need to tell him to quit playing in the street he needs to be more careful of course she's right we had to discipline him we wanted him to have the bike just didn't want him to ride in front of oncoming traffic we had to take it away for a while so he'd figure it out well, what if the lord refines me that way takes away something that i think i need to have or other times we wanted to prepare our kids for the future so when they were Juniors in high school already, we were having them do their own laundry because we wanted to be able to not wear pink clothes all the way through college, okay? When they were learning how to drive, I'd take them out at night in the rain and I'd make them change a tire on the side of the road when the tire wasn't flat. Well, the reason I was doing that is because I was preparing them for when they were going to drive on their own so they'd know where the jack was, where the tire tool was, and they could change a tire at night when it went flat. They'd know how to do it. When I wasn't with them. Dad, why are you making me do this? The tire isn't even flat. I know, son, but one of these days it will be, and you're going to need to know how to do it. 
God, why are you putting me through all these tests? I don't want to go through this. I know, John, but there are some challenges coming up in your life. I'm trying to make you into a ring. Quit trying to be a rock. There's gold in you. Look, if there's anything I want to remind us of at the beginning of the year, God is for you. God sees potential in your life that you don't even get a glimpse of. He sees things that I could become that I can't even imagine. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. His Holy Spirit is working you, and when he wants to pry our fingers loose of something, he's doing it for our own good, because God is for me. Could we say that one more time? God is for me. Three ways that he refines us, three ways we can cooperate. Point A, first of all, God will refine me through testings and trials. This is clear from Scripture. There's not any great uh, character in the Bible who didn't go through testings and trials. Not one. So don't expect that in 2019 you're not going to face any hardship. God uses hard things to break away the hard parts of the rock that are encrusting the gold. He does. He does. I have refined you, Isaiah 48:10, but not as silver is refined, rather I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Hmm. Zechariah 13:9, where God is this is a prophecy about a remnant of God's people. I will bring that remnant, that group, through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. Jesus himself said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And if you'd underline, they realize their need for him. See, in this world, I am so tempted to hang on to things that don't matter and put stock in people's opinions way more than I care about the opinion of the Lord. In fact, if you open your outline up, you'll see not only where we're headed next, but you'll see some quotations on the opposite page. That first quote from J.I. Packer, I'd like to read that real quickly. And still, God seeks the fellowship of his people and will send them both joy and sorrow to detach their hands from the things of this world and attach those hands to himself. One of the reasons that we're going to go through some hardship this year, one of the reasons that God is going to pry our fingers loose, maybe from some um, possessions that we shouldn't be putting so much stock in, maybe from relationships we never should be in at all, one of the reasons he's going to do that is he has something better for us, and that's a relationship with him. Over and over again, I meet people who tell me, you know, last year was the hardest year of my life, but you know one thing I'm grateful for? I prayed more than I've ever prayed, and now I wonder why I didn't pray that way all the time. Craziest thing. It's like the hardship drew me to the Lord. I go, it's not crazy at all, and I read him that next quote from C.S. Lewis. Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts to us in our pains. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When we're going through hard times and he is breaking off bad attitudes and sinful habits and getting our hands free from things we never should have been attached to, it hurts. And that crushing process is painful. And if you've been through some painful things this last year, remember the Lord caught all those tears in his bottle. He knows what he's doing. And he's breaking away those things so that we can attach our hands to him. The pain is a megaphone. Seek me first. Quit paying so much attention to what other people think all the time. 
care about my opinion. Quit worrying. Start praying. I guess I could keep doing that a lot. That's getting obnoxious. Okay, but anyway, you get the idea that the Lord is shouting at us. And if he just blesses us, we just go right on. But when pain comes, all of a sudden he gets our attention. Hey, what am I doing? 2019's in front of us. Pretty much a blank slate. I can tell you that testing and trials are going to come. For me and for you. Not because God hates us, but because he loves us. So here's a life application. I can choose to rejoice when troubles come. So can you. This is an attitude thing. If you'd write the word attitude in the margin. What's my attitude going to be this year when hardships come? Am I going to bellyache and moan? Or am I going to say, well, Lord's up to something. Lord, show me what you're trying to pry my fingers loose from. Let the whole world bless our God. This is Psalm 66. And loudly sing his praises. Why? Because everything's going well? No. Our lives are in his hands and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God, and you have purified us like silver. That psalm was written when hard times came. That's Old Testament. Here's New Testament, book of James. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God wants us to be perfect and complete. Perfect and complete. Not fat and lazy. Christians. That means he's going to push me. I remember when our kids were playing basketball in high school. Uh, they'd come home sometimes. I think all three of them did this at one time in their life. But I remember a couple of conversations where uh, one of my sons would go, Dad, the basketball coach, he hates me. Why does he hate you? Well, he's yelling at me all practice. And he made me stay after practice and everybody else left. He made me shoot again and again and again, over and over again. Why do you think he did that? I go, wait a minute, aren't you starting the game next game? Yeah. So he's starting you because he hates you? Well... No, but why is he making me do all that? I go, he's supposed to, don't you remember that shot that you missed in the game a couple of games ago? You missed that. He's making you practice this move over and again, over and again, so you won't miss it this time. You mean he's yelling at me so I'll get better? Yeah. Why doesn't he tell me that? I go, he's a coach. He's not a big hugger, okay? Coaches do what coaches do. I said, the only time you need to be worried is when the coach quits yelling at you. There you go. There's a coach in the audience. I heard an amen. Amen. It's true. But I don't like it and you don't like it. But the coach sees potential in the player and he says, I'm going to break off some of those bad habits. I'm going to show you some new moves that you don't even understand because I want to turn you from a rock into a ring. Am I going to cooperate with God this year or not? And am I going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude and cry about it every time something goes wrong? I can choose now. The whole year's in front of me. Tests and trials are coming. Remember, a test reveals to the student and the teacher whether we really know the material. In this case, our Lord knows the answers, so we don't, he's not going to be surprised. The testing is for me. When I get the score back and I get an F, I go, I didn't know that material as well as I thought. Now, you, can, you and I can count on it this next year. There are going to be some trials we go through that we've been through before. And if we're honest, we didn't pass it last time. Time to pass it this year and not bellyache and complain when, they get, when we get the test. So I can choose to rejoice when troubles come because God's going to use testing and trials in my life. 
Point B, God will also refine me through his word. God's word is like a scalpel that cuts away dead tissue, cuts out the infection. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Psalm 12, 6. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. That's why if we, even when people come to a worship service and they hear God's word read, or you turn on the radio and you hear God's word proclaimed, man, when God is after us, it hits like a hammer. There are times when I'm reading my Bible and my personal devotions where it'll come to a place and I'll realize I have to forgive someone and I'll go, maybe I need to read someplace else. Because I don't want to hear that. Maybe I don't want to forgive. Or maybe I need to step out in courage and step out in faith and I'm scared to step out and I don't want to hear this. But man, that scripture gets in my head and it rattles around until I do something about it. That is a blessing from the Lord. He's using that to cut away my fear and unnecessary guilt and shame that he forgave me for a long time ago. Why are you still hanging on to that? And God is working in my life and he's working in yours. Hmm. Here's a life application. I can choose to read and study and meditate on the Bible every day and do what it says. See, if I read the Bible, then that will accelerate the refining process. Because every time I read it, it's going to cut a little bit away. It's going to encourage me in the things I'm doing right. And it's going to push me away from the things I need to get away from. It's living and active. So get rid of all the filth in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, but forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Last year I went to get a trailer hitch for my car, and at the place where they were selling the trailer hitch, the guy said hello to me and called me by name. I didn't recognize him. He said, you don't know who I am, do you? I went, mm-mm. He said, well, about 12 years ago, you were um, preaching at a meeting, and I was there. And I didn't even want to go there. Some friends drug me there. And I didn't want to hear what you had to say. So I was sitting like this. And I go, yeah, I see that a lot. Okay, that's, the, that's part of it. He goes, but do you know that you said something that day and it rattled around in my head for weeks? He said it was like six or eight weeks until I finally went to church and got my heart right with Jesus. He goes, I just want to thank you for speaking the word. I never had met him until 12 years later. I don't know what God's doing. I do know that if I read his word... It's just like a scalpel that cuts into people's hearts. He had a bad attitude that day. He said he had unforgiveness toward a friend. And I had talked about that that day, and he could not get that out of his head. He said, it's like it's, like it's just chasing me. And I go, oh, yeah, it is. It's alive. Now, imagine if you and I spent time in God's word every day, and we cooperated and said, Lord, I don't want to be a rock. I want to be a ring. Cut away everything that doesn't belong. Just show me what I need to know. And give me the strength to obey, and I'll do it. Well, 2019 could be a year of breakthrough upon breakthrough. God's going to refine us through trials. God's going to refine us through his word. 
Point C, God's also going to refine me through others. Now, a couple of these scriptures might surprise you. Daniel 11, it's a prophecy about the end times. There will be faithful people in the end times. And Daniel said, and some of the wise will fall victim to persecution, and in this way they will be refined and cleansed and be made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. Well, we're a lot closer to the end times than Daniel was when he wrote this. We're a lot closer to the end times when uh, Jesus prophesied about them. We're 2,000 years closer than that. And so we are close to the end times. And this year, it may be that you and I even face persecution. We may have somebody laugh at us because we're a Christian. We tell them about Jesus and they may mock us. People may reject us. How could God use any of that to refine me? I remember after I became a Christian in college, I shared my faith. I was studying engineering, and I was talking to some people in the math department there who were very bright and had no use for religion in any way, shape, or form. And they told me exactly how stupid I was. And they poked holes in some of the arguments that I presented to them. And, man, I remember sitting there getting discouraged, and a friend of mine said, well, John, use that as an encouragement. They poked holes in your argument, study, and give them a good answer. And you know, I read more than I had ever read before. I went and talked to people and found out how I could defend my faith. And my faith grew stronger because they had uh, shot me down. What if God wants to make you stronger this year? What if, he makes you want, what if he wants to make you read books you never were willing to read last year? And the reason why is because that hurt when somebody shot you down. Also, this might surprise you too, God may refine us through praise. The crucible of silver for silver and the furnace for gold, but a man is tested by the praise he receives. John, I thought you said some people, I might get refined through things where people are attacking me. Yeah, we could also get refined by people praising us. I mean, you and I get a lot of praise. We had a question, is it, am I going to let this swell my head or am I going to give God the glory for it? Some of you, you're going to get a ton of praise this year because your business is going to rock and roll. Or you're going to have some wise advice and it's going to go well and people are going to heap praise on you. You're going to do a good job. Are you going to accept the glory yourself or are you going to pass it on to the Lord? I remember when I first started doing this public speaking and preaching and all this, um, I didn't know what to do when people would give me a compliment. I'd walk out and greet people, much like I do here now, and people would go, John, that was a great sermon today. I go, well, you know, really, it was the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and this was the Word, of, and you know, I was really just this humble servant doing this and this. And people go, look, I just want to leave. Why can can I just leave? <laughs> I remember talking to a seminary professor about that, saying, how do I handle that? Because people don't want a big monologue there. And he goes, no, they've already heard a sermon. Just say when they give you a compliment, just say thank you. But I feel wrong about it. He goes, well, hold on, I'm not finished yet. Accept the compliment like you'd accept a rose. And then before you go to bed at night, you present the bouquet to God and say, you know, when that person told me this and this person told me that, Lord, you did all that. That's the same for you. When you get praises this year, accept them like flowers. Put them in the bouquet to God and give it to him every night. I got a choice. I'm going to be tested in it. So will you. God's going to use praise to refine me. He's going to use people coming against me to refine me. And he's even going to use friends to refine me. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I saw somebody wearing a t-shirt the other day that talked about all this. And it simply said, I don't need a personal trainer. I just need somebody to follow me around and slap donuts out of my hand. Okay, that's all I need. 
I thought, what a great shirt. That's what, that's a sincere friend. Hey, the hot donut light is on. Get in my car. I'm driving you out right now. It's a rescue mission. I mean, a sincere friend is going to tell you something. A sincere friend is going to help break off an edge going, well, that's a shameful attitude. You need to apologize. You're wrong. Hey, when are you going to start on that? You said you were doing this. When are you going to start? That's a true friend. Now, am I gonna, what's my attitude going to be? Put all this together here. And how am I going to cooperate? Well, here's the last slide of application. I can cooperate. If God's going to use others to refine me, well, then I can get in a connect group where I can build relationships with people who will sharpen me, help me, and hold me accountable. I can. So can you. We have connect groups here. That's why we start them. So that you can be held accountable. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. You know what's so great? If you're in a connect group, then even if somebody does attack you for your faith, you have friends who can help you have a good answer. If you've been getting a lot of praise, you can even ask people to pray for you that it won't go to your head. And you might have a friend in that group that would say, hey, that's going to your head. And I'll have the pin to let some air out. You're not all that. That's a good friend. Do you want to be a ring or you want to be a rock? Well, then I would suggest you get in a group of friends who can help in the refining process. They can ease some of the pain and console you and pray with you. They can also encourage you. And Galatians 6.1, they can restore you when you blow it. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Now look, the back side of the Connect card, you could sign up for a Connect group right now. We're forming new ones right now. If you've never been in one before, give it a shot. We'd love to get you involved. Just fill out the information that's requested. Or you can stop by a table on your way out. Or there are Connect group leaders here today. You'll know who they are because they have this massive sign around their neck. Okay? Talk to them and say, hey, how do I get in a Connect group? We'd love to get you involved. If you want to learn how to read the Bible, I mentioned that today too. Down at the bottom of the page, it says resources. It mentions the Connect group there on our website, but also reading plans from Bible.com. You click on that web address, you'll find tons of reading plans. We also even gave you a bookmark in your uh, bulletin today, so you can insert it in your Bible. If you've never had a reading plan before, here's how I'd suggest you start. There are simple questions, some, some simple instructions on one side of the bookmark, some simple, four simple questions on the other side. Start in the book of John. There's 21 chapters, about a page. Chapters about a page in the book of John. If you, you could read it for three weeks. You've got the first three weeks taken care of. It's easy to remember. My name's John. Start with John. Different John, good book. Okay, that's where I'd tell you to start. We'll help you with all this. But don't miss it. This is the year that God is going to do something amazing in our lives. He is not going to leave you alone. By the way, that's done. You've already heard his word this morning. He's already got his word rattling around in your head. Should have told you that before you came in. But I didn't. Anyway, here's where we are. God's Holy Spirit is going to chase after this year because he's for you. He wants you to be at a whole other level a year from now. 
The only question is whether we're going to cooperate with our attitude, with his word, and with the help of others. God is for me. Could we say that one last time? God is for me. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are so much for us that you can see things in our lives that we can't see. Lord, I give up because I go, I'm worthless. I'm stupid. I'll never learn. Everybody else is better. Everybody's life is better. Lord, you hate me. And none of it's true. And God, I pray that this morning you have reminded us of this. And I pray, Lord, you will hound us. And Lord, I pray that we'll cooperate and we won't have a bad attitude. And we won't go through life this next year trying to figure it out on our own. And we won't sit there and turn away from the one resource that's free now on our cell phones. We have the Bible everywhere now. God, I just pray that you will refine us and we will rejoice that when 2020 comes, we're going to be stronger people because of what you did in our lives this year. In one more moment of silence, at the beginning of this message, we ask God to speak to us. If God spoke to you today about something, something you really needed to hear and be reminded of or challenged with, silently pray it back to him and say, Lord, I heard you. And I thank you that you challenged me today. Help me not be a crybaby when hard times come. You got all my tears in a bottle. Forgive me for thinking I've got it it all figured out on my own. I need friends. Strengthen me and encourage me through your word. I need your insight. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. And one last thing I want.